You guys obviously don't know or forget how passionate I am about the Word of God. Don't know? Actually, you know what? Anything could happen this morning, and I might have to apologize at the end of it. But if you want to get to know someone, you actually got to enter their world. Otherwise, we stand at a distance and judge. I know about you. You ever judged anyone? You know why we judge people? Because we don't know them. And if you want to overcome that, you actually got to spend enough time with them to get to know them. I've been in a relationship with people for years sometimes, and then something happens, I think, man, didn't you know me? Hey, sad. But it's a reality. Hey, let's not be like that. Let's be people that take risks to get up close. I know I get, we get hurt. I know we get hurt. Do you think Jesus got hurt? Actually, I think he got hurt, okay? But it didn't stop him. You think God still gets hurt? He does. Because he, he does, he still presses in and he still comes close to people. Hey, let's be like that. So we're going to have a Bible reading. We haven't made much progress, have we? Hey, let's stand up while we have a Bible reading. Just so you don't fall asleep or something. I don't know what you've been doing. It's going to be on the screens. It's, I like bizarre parts of the Bible. And I don't know if I've preached this here before, but I don't care because I think this is what God wants me to preach this morning. So tough. All right, where are we? If I can find it now, I've lost it. There it is. Jonah chapter 4. You know the story of Jonah, right? He's the guy with the whale or the big fish or whatever. We know that story. You know, God said, go to Nineveh. He said, nah. He got on a ship, ran away. The ship went. He got sunk, eaten by a whale and spat up on the beach. We know that part, right? Why do you think Jonah didn't want to go to Nineveh? That's sinful. Didn't it? You guys read your Bible. Well done. I thought you were going to say because he was afraid. When I grew up and heard the story, I thought it was just because he was afraid. It wasn't because he was afraid, because he didn't like the Ninevites. That's why he didn't go. Anyway, let's read it. It's on the screen if you want to follow along. Or if you, you know, got the Bible with you, got a couple of people, get it out on your phone. Because I'll be preaching through this chapter. It's only 11 verses. And so um, you might want to follow it through while I preach. But to Jonah, this seemed very wrong. He became angry. Oh, dear. And he prayed to the Lord, isn't this what I said? This was after the Ninevites. So he went and preached to these guys who used to cut people's heads off for fun, right? And he went and preached to them, and they all become Christian. It's like a revival. It's amazing, right? And then just after the revival happened, all these, the best campaign ever, right? Amazing things happen. And then he goes, isn't this what I said, Lord, when I was still at home? That is, this is I think that's how he said it too. He was whinging in his prayer to God. This is what I tried to forestall by fleeing to Tarshish. I knew that you were a gracious and compassionate God. What an awesome accusation to make to someone, eh? I knew that you were gracious and compassionate and forgiving. And God's probably going, uh, is that a compliment? Right? Slow to anger, abounding in love. A God who relents from sending calamity. Do you know that God? Because that's the God I know. And actually, that's the God Jonah knew. Amazing. Now, Lord, take away my life. This is how upset he was that all these guys got forgiven. Take away my life. That's a bit desperate. 
We've all felt a bit like that sometimes, haven't we? For it is better for me to die than to live. But the Lord replied, I love God, hey. He is not frightened of a little bit of confrontation. But you know what? If you are, he does it gently. I'm not sure he's doing it gently with Jonah. But he said, is it right for you to be angry? You ever said that to an angry person? Them there are fighting words. I remember one time I was stressed and someone said, don't stress. I go, ah! <laughs> Have you heard anyone when you're stressed say, don't stress? It's like, if you're going to see someone stressed and you say, don't stress, duck. Right? It's like, if someone's angry, you say, is it right for you to be angry? Man, God is kind of not a frightened of a bit of conflict or confrontation. Jonah had gone out and sat down at a place east of the city. There he made himself a shelter, sat in its shade and waited to see what would happen to the city. Then the Lord God provided a leafy plant and to ease his discomfort. See, that God's kind even though Jonah was having a whinge. And Jonah was very happy about the plant. Funny about that. He wasn't happy about all the people getting saved, but he's happy about the plant. But at dawn the next day, God provided a worm. <laughs> See, God's just messing with him. Has God ever messed with you? He has, just you haven't recognized it. Which chewed the plant so that it withered. When the sun rose, God provided a scorching east wind just to make him more comfortable. And then the sun blazed on Jonah's head so that he grew faint. He wanted to die and he said, it would be better for me to die than to live. But God said to Jonah, is it right for you to be angry? about the plant there's a very good question it is he said i am so angry i wish i was dead but the lord said you have been concerned about this plant though you did not tend it or make it grow it sprang up overnight and died overnight and should i not have concern for the great city of nineveh in which there are more than a hundred and twenty thousand people who cannot tell their right hand from their left hand, and also many animals. Fascinating, hey? Just fascinating. Well, I think it's fascinating. You can be seated if you like. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you that you are persistent. Forgive us for the times that we whinge. Particularly forgive us for the times we whinge when you're doing great stuff and you have a great heart and you love people. Forgive us for the times that we've accused you of being kind and compassionate and forgiving and loving. Lord, help us to get your heart. If we don't know you today, help us to see you as a God who is kind and compassionate and loving and forgiving. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. I haven't had a great week. I had a particularly bad night. I don't know when it was. It might have been Thursday night. I don't remember. And I had a dream the next morning. And um, I must miss the Salvos Discipleship School because I was at a conference and Kev Sheehan was there talking and the students were there talking amongst themselves and not listening to Kev. And I was getting frustrated and I looked at the students. This is my dream, right? And then I got this kind of reminder of how hungry I've always been for the Word of God. 
When I was a student at the suburbs to suburb school, I used to rock up with my cassette player a few years ago, and I set up a microphone, and I asked if I could record the classes so I could listen to them again. Right? And you know why I share that? I only share that for this reason. God reminded me in the depths of my despair who I was. And you know what? What's that movie? The Lion King? Going back to like 1995, right? And it's a bit new age, right? But there's a part of it that I really liked. And it's when, um, I think it's Simba, right? He's there and his dad's in the clouds. There's a big lion and it's a bit new agey. But I love what's said. It said, remember who you are. And you know what um, the other morning reminded me of? That I did not deserve God to show up, I think, in my dream that morning and remind me of who I are who I am because I was a jerk the night before and it just reminded me of how good God is and and that he loves me and and you know what when I say I was being a jerk I'm not even putting myself down because I know I'm loved by God I know I'm valued by God and and then it's okay for me to be a jerk and that was not okay but it's okay for me to say sorry I can accept I was a jerk and I'm sorry does that make sense because I'm secure in God, and God knew I needed to hear, hey, you're okay, and I've got you. And then he led me from verse to verse to verse. Um, show it to you in my devotions where I recorded these three different verses that God gave me specifically just to reground me. Now, that's the God I know. And that's the God that Jonah knew. Actually, I've got handouts. Do you want to hand these out? And you don't have to fill in blanks today because I've got no PowerPoint. Now, those are saying, I always thought Jonah was scared or just disobedient. Because sometimes we don't do things because we're scared, hey? Sometimes I'm a bit slow because I'm scared. Or sometimes I'm just being rebellious. But Jonah wasn't either of those things. He actually just didn't really like the Ninevites. <laughs> he just didn't like them. And he wanted them to get judged by God. And he knew that if he preached to them and they accepted the message that God would forgive them. And Jonah didn't want that. He wanted them to be punished. Who wants people to be punished? <laughs> Go on, let's get a bit honest in the room this morning. When someone hacks you off and cuts you off and hurts you, what do you want to do? You want them to be punished. That's our human nature, friends. You know what's wrong with God? He thinks differently. You know why we don't understand him? Because he thinks differently. You know why you're not getting punished? Because he thinks differently. Oh, well, I don't want to be punished, but I think Keith should be punished. See, Keith doesn't think he should be punished, but maybe some days he thinks Glenda should be punished. <laughs> hey, that's our human nature, is it not? Why do we think we should get the ice cream from God and everyone else gets the broccoli? Just asking. Just asking. It's the same God, friends. And he loves you. And he forgives you. And he's for you. And I'm really sorry, he's also for your enemies. Enemies. That's why Jonah didn't want to go. 
So I got a few points this morning. The first one is God loves people who don't yet know him. So if you don't know him this morning, just relax and know that God loves you anyway. He loves us first. That's what I love about him. He loved me the other morning when I didn't deserve his love. That's why I follow him because I actually haven't met anyone else like God. I've met some people kind of close, a little bit close maybe, but no one like him. So my first sub point there is God is gracious and compassionate. And this is what Jonah said. He confessed this. He admitted to this. He blamed God for being like this. In chapter two, um, chapter 4, verse 2, he said, he, God is gracious and compassionate, slow to anger. How good is that quality? I wish I had more of that. I've been working on it for years. Only by the Spirit of God, hey? Abounding in love. In other words, overflowing. You know what? I know you might struggle to love yourself, but God can't help but love you. He can't help himself. He can't help but be good to you. And you know the crap that's happened in your life? That's not God. That's the enemy trying to convince you that God's nasty. So don't believe that lie. Okay? The people that have hurt you in life have either been the, well, it's been the devil working through dumb people who don't realize what they're doing. But it's not God because that's not his heart. Many people see God only as a God of justice who will one day judge people for what they have done. You know what? The Bible talks about that. and I believe one day everyone will have to give an account for their lives. And one day we'll have to stand before God and answer to him for how we have used our lives. But God is a God also of tremendous love and mercy who has, as we read in Second Peter, the reference on your sheet there, not wanting anyone to perish but everyone to come to repentance. In other words, God loves everyone and he wants everyone to have a relationship with him. John three sixteen and 17 we read, So God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever, whoever, you know what, and that's the foundation of the Salvation Army. We weren't, because you know, some denominations thought, oh, well, some people are chosen and some people not. You know, William Booth believed that the, the gospel was for everybody. That's why he went to the last, the lost, and the least. Because he goes, no one's excluded in this deal. The only people excluded are the people that want to choose to be excluded. But that's not the heart of God. God wants to, God's invited everyone to his party. You know, sometimes you get invited to a party. You know, oh, no, I don't think I'll go. But you're invited. God invites everybody. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world. See, there's the heart of God right there. God didn't send Jesus to condemn us but to save the world through him. I grew up in the Salvation Army and was taught a lot. I got it. I won't say that. However, I often felt that God was an impatient judging God. That's how I thought God was, right? Because sometimes we get our perception of God by the way other people have treated us, especially authority figures. So I thought God was impatient judging, thought he was quick to get angry. He was frustrated with me often especially when I made a mistake. And I used to find it hard to accept his forgiveness and his love. It wasn't until I attended the Salvos Discipleship School at 22 years of age that I grew in my understanding of what God is like. We did a lot of intensive Bible study in the nine months of the course and it started to get through to me how loving. I remember the first time I read one of those verses and there's a few in the Bible, right? And I read that God was slow to anger 
and I'm, I'm just, my head is doing backflips. Because I actually hadn't experienced a human that was slow to anger. Well, maybe I had, but it felt like I hadn't. And so I just projected that onto God. You know, funny how we do that subconsciously. God must be really impatient and spend a lot of time being angry. I think a lot of people in the world believe that. And I read in his word, that's why it's so important to read the Bible, because it's actually the truth. And it says that God is slow to anger. See, God didn't need to change. I did. I need because when I messed up, I would punish myself. Yeah, see, we think God's punishing us. And he's going, hey, I'm ready to forgive you. What are you punishing yourself for? I'm ready to forgive you. I'm ready to help you encounter my love. I'm, I'm ready to move on. And I used to punish myself for days. And then when I thought I'd punished myself enough, I'd reconnect with God. What a great day. It's what we do. It's our human nature. What a great day when I realized I didn't have to punish myself anymore because Jesus took all my punishment on the cross. Hey? And all I needed to do, no matter how dumb a thing I'd done, is say, Lord, please forgive me. I receive your forgiveness. Help me to forgive myself. Changed my life. Absolutely changed my life and my journey because I didn't spend days on end under condemnation like I used to. Second sub-point there, God desires everyone to know, his, to know him. God loved us all so much that he sent his son Jesus into the world to provide salvation for all people, not a select few. I want you to hear this. Not, not a special race or age, personality, but all people. I'm really sorry if you have issues with a particular race, a particular age, or a particular personality, but God doesn't. He made us all, and he loves us all. The early Christians, oh sorry, Jonah began being an Israelite, knew and experienced God's love. But, he, but God didn't only want Israelites to experience his love, he wanted them to share his love. Do you realize that? I had a great question the other day from Kate. She's a bit of a thinker. Sorry? Yeah, yeah. Um, and she said... Like, why were the Israelites God's chosen people? What was special about them? I said, nothing. God chose them, the Bible says, to be a light to the nations. That's it. That's it. He chose them to do a job. He blessed them to be a blessing. You know why God's blessed you? <laughs> Not to just enjoy the blessing. That's a, pri that's a byproduct. He blessed you to be a light to the nations. Let's not be like the Israelites, hey? You just sat back and said, man, we're blessed. We're God's chosen. Hey, that's what they did. A lot of them, go, they're just enjoying the riches, brother. You know, you know what happened when Jesus came? They missed him. I think when Jesus comes back, the church is just sitting back enjoying their blessings, might, might miss him. Got to be careful, friends. It says always be awake. Don't go to sleep. Because when we go to sleep, we miss God. It freaks me out, right, that the whole nation of Israel actually got taken out of Egypt, right, freed from slavery, right? They wander through the desert. They get to the cusp 
the, the very edge of their destiny. And they went, oh, nah, too hard. Are you kidding me? How close have you been to the edge of your destiny and you're gone, nah, too hard. That breaks my heart. That breaks my heart. Don't ever give up. Don't ever give up on the promise that God's given you. Because you know what you find? It's usually the people that press in and persevere. And I don't know if I shared this last week, but it just keeps bouncing around in my spirit. That, that story of these guys that bought a, a, a guy. I'll never forget hearing this in the devotions at an officer's fellowship. That, that these, these people bought a gold mine, right? And they're digging this gold mine. And they're spending, I don't know, a year, months. I forget the story because I read it years ago. They're digging, 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 digging. No gold. Ah, this is a waste of time. This is a waste of time. When you felt like that. Oh, I'm not getting anywhere. They sold the mine. Someone else bought it. And they started to dig. And they dug about a meter and found gold. Don't give up too soon, friends. Don't give up too soon. The early Christians, including Peter, were Jews. They're all Jews. They're all Israelites. Had to realize that salvation was not only for them, but for everyone. As Peter discovered when Cornelius, this non-Jewish guy, was converted. That'll do your theology in, won't it? I love it when we've just got our theology nicely packed. This is what God looks like and this is what he does. I did that for a number of years, right? And it's like God just went, oh, I don't like boxes. It wasn't actually like that. It's more like I'd put him in a box or try to, and then I've, it's like putting a tablet in a cat's mouth, isn't it? Like you put God in a box and he just comes out again. Put him in another box. I think this box is right. He just comes out again. Don't put God in a box. Oh, God doesn't do that. Well, have you read the book cover to cover and had full revelation on every verse in there? Me either. So probably shouldn't put God in a box. Acts 10.34 said, Then Peter began to speak. I now realize, hallelujah, how true it is that God does not show favoritism. Acts 10.34. Verse 35 says, But accepts men from every nation who fear him and do what is right. In other words, when God says, I love you, you know what, I want to have a relationship with you, and we go, you know what, yes. Then we're in. It's that easy. See, if you're a Christian today, you can't take any credit for anything except responding to God. <laughs> Sorry, just if you're suffering from pride today. You can't take any credit. I can't take any credit for the amazing things that have happened in my life, except maybe just responding to God. And I even think he gives us the grace and faith to do that. So, you know, maybe I can't take any credit at all. Just wondering. So it's great if we've come to know Jesus, but God wants us to enjoy his love and grace. He wants us to take every opportunity to share it with those around us. But to share God's love with people who don't know Jesus yet, we first need to share his love for them. To share, the, it only gets harder, doesn't it? To share God's love with people that don't yet know him, we first need to share his love for them. So secondly, we need to share God's love for those who don't yet know him. 
See, the Bible says it's his love that compels us. You ever compelled anything? I saw a cool thing on Facebook the other day. I was much this old-style baby rocker. It looked like a catapult thing. Did anyone see that? And they said, oh, this would have been unhelpful for fathers because they'd want to pull it back and see how far they could propel their baby, maybe onto the bed. It'll be safe. But you're just pushing the envelope. You know, you wait till the you know, baby's bounce. Anyway, it's a Facebook thing. I'm just saying. Even lost my own track of thought there. I just, you know, you have mental pictures when you see things like that. We need to share God's love for people that know me. We are not to be distracted by minor issues. And here we talk about the plant. The problem we all face is similar to that of Jonah. He was more upset about his little vine dying than he was about a whole city of people. What are you upset about? Your little thing. And it may be important. But is it more important than the eternal destiny of 300,000 people on the central coast? Because God has a different, you know, we say God thinks differently. He has a very different value system. See, people use people to get things. God uses things to save people. So God sometimes, I'll never forget this story, right? YWAM, Youth with a Mission, um, were buying a boat to start their Mercy Ships ministry. And it's their very first ship. And this guy had done, rang up and said, I'm happy to contribute a million dollars. It's more than a million dollars cost this ship to set up this ministry of going, you know, it's been going for years, they're going to Africa and other nations and they park the ship off the shore and they do surgeries for people, you know, that can't get surgeries for free. Amazing. I got a friend who was a chaplain on one of these ships. Amazing ministry. Changes people's lives. But their very first ship, right, and they made a million dollar deposit and the whole thing fell through. Fell through. They lost a million dollars. And here's the head of YWAM at the time, Lauren Cunningham, had to ring up the guy who donated the million dollars, right? There's a difficult phone call. And guys, I need to say to you that we've lost a million dollars. You know what the guy said? He said, have you learnt something? He goes, yeah, absolutely, we've learnt something. He said, well, that was a million dollars well spent. See, there's a godly man who has his values right, that uses things to bless people. So if you're ever associated with a church or people that use things, use people to get things, get out of there. Get away from that. If I ever do that, come and slap me up the head and say, hey, you need your values realigned, friend. Because we have to use things to bless people. That's God's value system. It doesn't matter how much it costs you, actually. It doesn't matter how much it costs you, actually. Sorry, because it costs Jesus everything. And I don't think we understand that. I don't think we have a clue some days of what it cost him. I think I've got a right to be angry about that. I think God sometimes gets really frustrated. Oh, it's going to cost me too much. I don't think actually God gets angry. I think he gets wounded. I think he gets wounded in his heart because he has a soft heart. He's got a softer heart than me. And sometimes I just get wounded. I go, really? Really? When I was in a training college, you know, we get stuck in our little things. You know, we get focused on our little issues. I was in a training college and I hate writing essays. Always have. You know, I kill the Queen's English. 
You think it's hard for me to speak, it's even harder for me to put it on paper. And I sit and I try and finish these essays, right? Um, I get all stressed. You know what? God gave me something that set me free. He said, I had this thought, he said, I think it's God because it set me free. I had this thought and it went like this. In the light of eternity, is this essay going to (laughs) matter? And I had to say, nah. And then he took it another level, right? He said, in 12 months when you finish college, is this essay going to matter? And I went, nah. And it didn't. 12 months later, I couldn't have cared less. Melissa always had a great notion. She said, more than 50% is a waste of time. 60? Oh, you changed. I got a pass. Well, 50 is a pass, isn't it? You know, and I'd stress about it. I was like, ah, she'll be right. Interesting, isn't it? The things we worry about that in the light of eternity don't really matter. What are you worried about today that in the light of eternity doesn't really matter? Maybe just forget about it. That'd be freeing, wouldn't it? So ask yourself this week, next time you're stressing, in the light of eternity, is this really going to matter? Another thing God said to me the other morning is Jesus set his face towards Jerusalem and you need to too. And what are you talking about? Well, Jesus set his face towards the city of Jerusalem because he knew he had a job to do to get to the cross. That's the purpose he came. I felt like God was saying, you need to set your face to the new Jerusalem. That's coming, the kingdom of God. Get yourself focused on the kingdom of God, the things that are eternal. And the things of this world will grow strangely dim. It puts things back into perspective. Um, the second sub-point there is God... Have I missed anything? I just keep going. God wants us to focus on people coming to know Him. Um, God wants Jonah and the nation of Israel to be focused on sharing Him with the rest of the nations around them, not to see them as enemies, but lost people in need of God. Isn't that amazing? If you could see your enemy as a lost person in need of God, this is what we hear God so passionately express to Jonah in the last two verses. Verse 10, you have been concerned about this vine, though you didn't tend it or make it grow. It sprang up overnight and died overnight. But Nineveh has more than 120,000 people who cannot tell. Hear God's compassion there. They cannot tell their right hand from their left hand. He wasn't being derogatory there. He's saying the same thing Jesus said on the cross. Father, forgive them for they do not know what they're doing. See, that's the compassion of God. That's why God can forgive me. God goes, I forgive you because you don't know what you're doing the other day. You got all lost. You got all wound up. You got all off, unhinged, and then you do dumb stuff. And God says, I understand. You're made of dust. I made you. So Jesus died so I can forgive you, and you're forgiven. Move on. Get up. Move on. God didn't condone what the people of Nineveh did. See, that's the mistake we make today. Instead of sharing the gospel and saying, God can help you change, we say, oh, it's okay. You can do whatever you like. Well, friends, you can't. If you haven't worked it out yet, there's really serious consequences to doing whatever you like. So God didn't condone what the people of Nineveh did, but he loved them and he wanted them to turn from their ways and turn to him. And so too with us, God certainly doesn't want us to condone the old lifestyle of non-Christians, but he wants us to share his love for them, a love which will completely change our attitude towards them. And thirdly, God's love will give us a passion that's where it comes from. Jonah didn't love the lost. He didn't love the Ninevites, so he had no passion to go and preach to them. 
for those who don't yet know him. We'll look for every opportunity to share Jesus. When we love non-Christians as God does, we will not only seize every opportunity to share the love of God with them, we will not be like Jonah who ran the opposite direction. Or I think as a good old Aussie way, we just do nothing. Hey? We worship the God of apathy. That's a big idol in Australia if you haven't realised that. Don't know what to do, oh, I'll just do nothing. Don't want to do it, oh, I'll just do nothing. It's an idol in our nation that needs to come down. Go to a place like Japan and they don't even understand that stuff. It's a problem in our country. Um, I'll never forget, some of you know Craig Stevens, he's just a mad evangelist and he can't help but tell people about Jesus. And it was great to see him in action one day because we're getting an Uber back from this conference to the airport in Melbourne. And it's a Muslim guy and I'm going, man, I, I struggle to share my faith with anyone, let alone a Muslim because you just never know what reaction you might get. And here's Craig, right? And Craig's the guy that's in your face, you know, that's how I experienced Craig. But this day, he's sitting in the passenger seat, in the front seat, of course, because that's where he's positioned himself because he can't help himself want to be close to the action and and here's this muslim guy and i just watch craig be insanely gentle with this guy and i want to say mate just, who is that that's not the craig i know but he had such love for this guy that didn't know jesus he did what paul said i become all things to all men that i might win some so he met the guy with where he was at. Did he lead him to Jesus that day? No, but he possibly sowed a seed that helped open his mind. And that guy who's a Muslim met a Christian who wasn't Bible bashing him, was just asking some honest questions, being kind, gentle and loving. Hey? And I know that Craig was able to do that that day because he loved that man. Not with his own love, but with the love of God. Because if you know Craig, he knows how much God loves him. He knows how much God's forgiven him. And so he overflows that love and forgiveness to other people. So too, when we are filled with God's love, we overflow with love for the lost. And we can't help but speak to people about Jesus. It becomes an impulse, I believe. It becomes a natural reaction. We won't be able to help ourselves. Secondly, we'll see people through God's eyes. When we love... Um, all people as God does, we see them as God does, not as our enemies, but as people in need of God's grace in their lives. Jonah could only see the Ninevites as his vicious enemies, and this was no motivation to go and share God's message with them. If, God had, if Jonah had shared God's love for the Assyrians, he would have seen them differently. Sometimes we see people as our enemies. It might be our abusive neighbor, our nagging relative, our draining friend. But our true enemy is the devil who has tricked these people into trying to live a life without God and led them down a path of ungodly thoughts and behavior. When we love them as God does, we will see who the real enemy is and want to warn them of his deceptions. I've prayed this prayer often for myself and for other people. Actually, when I pray for other people, I normally say this, Dear Lord Jesus, help them see themselves as you see them. If you're struggling with accepting yourself, pray that prayer. Lord Jesus, help me see myself as you see me. You'll get a very different picture to what you think. Hey? Because God thinks you're amazing. He brags about you to the angels. He has your photo on his fridge. You know, grandmas have those brag books. God has one of them. Read the beginning of the book of Job. 
the devil shows up and God goes, have you considered my servant Job? And then he brags about Job. God brags about, you think God possibly brags about you? Look at, look at Damien. I love Damien. Yeah, God says that. Brags about Damien. Look at Caleb. I love Caleb. You know? It's all true. It's all true. Thirdly, we'll rejoice when people come to know Jesus. You know, sometimes we don't get excited enough when people become Christians. You know why? Because we weren't worried enough when they were lost. <laughs> Just saying. When we love non-Christians as God does, we'll also rejoice when they repent like Jonah. Unlike Jonah, sorry. It was angry. I just can't get my head around that. Hey, someone gets saved. Someone gets set free from all their baggage. And you're angry about that? I guess we get like that, don't we? Well, we do. Okay. I'm just trying to catch up with myself. Because because I'm not an overly jealous person, but sometimes I do. It's really easy. That's why I don't look at Facebook too often because, why did they get that? <laughs> you never said that, have you? Why did they, I didn't get that. Why didn't I get that? Why did they have coffee with that person? I haven't had coffee with me. It's the same thing. Why did God forgive them? Because that's who God is. He can't help himself. Luke 15.10, in the same way I tell you the truth, there is rejoicing in the presence of the angels. God chucks a party when someone makes a decision to become a Christian. Heaven throws a party. Um, the Gene Heron, who some of you know, was so good at this. In the early days of East Lakes, when we see people get saved, she would just party. She had an ability, and she was not an overly expressive person sometimes, and she just had this ability. She really understood that when someone became a Christian, that all of heaven rejoiced, and she would join the party. And it was awesome, and it taught me many things. All right, what I want us to do is um, on your sheets on the back, well, I don't care how you do this, really. I just want, because um, one of the things me and Melissa need to do is I'm inviting our neighbours over for a meal because we're going to do that before Christmas. And um, we, as some of you know, we've been journeying them with, with them for quite a while. And um, they're warm. They're, they're people of peace. Um, you know, our kids go over there and play. And John, who does the air conditioning here because he's got an air conditioning business and he's a very... He's, got, he's your classic person of peace, actually, because he's good, he's helpful. You know, he get, actually, the family store air conditioning, I think he lost money. On, on replacing that for us. That's how good a guy he is. And he used to, he grew up in the church, and I'm sure the Lord wants to lead him back. You know? He's my pers- he's one of my people of peace. The other day, they'd replaced some old air conditioners in our house, and um, one of them wasn't working. And it's Christmas Day, it was hot. We had all the family over, and the air conditioner's blowing hot air, and it's only new. And so we got on to John, and we said, oh, look, this air conditioner's probably still under warranty. And it's really busy, and so he couldn't come one day, and then he couldn't come the next. And then um, I rang up, and his receptionist said, oh, he's sick. He might have COVID. I said, that's okay, Nick. We're not worried. We don't use the air conditioner much. Whenever he can come, he can come. About 10 minutes later, John rings. <laughs> right? He goes, I'm homesick. I haven't got COVID. I've done a test, but I'm really bored. Can I come and fix your air conditioner? <laughs> How amazing is that? Is he not a person of peace? Should we not be doing all we can 
to just welcome John and his wife and his kids. Hey? And I could tell you other stories too. We had a, I don't want to embarrass anyone. Anyway, I'm excited about other things that are happening, um, that God's doing, that God's stirring. Can I say, my, the most exciting part, and I, you know, I thought Michael and Kathy were, did a great job on Wednesday night, but the most exciting part was right near the end. You know, when um, someone was hanging around and Michael couldn't help himself, and I saw Michael talking to this young person that was here on, on um, Wednesday night, and um, I knew Michael's heart. I just stood back. You know when you know someone's heart and you trust them, you've seen what they've done. Um, and I knew it would manifest into something good. And I just want to encourage you to press in today, to push through. Because if you've been waiting on a promise for God or you think God's going to do this or, you know, your friend's still not saved or your family member's still not saved or you're not still not saved and you're kind of against a wall and you're stuck, just maybe you only got a meter to go to get gold. Hey, maybe you only got a meter. So don't give up. Don't give up. Be terrible to give up and let someone else get the gold. Because the gold's for everyone. It's for everyone. And God doesn't want anyone to miss out. So what I want you to do is think and pray about who are the people of peace in your life. Or who are the people who, you know what, if you're not a Christian today, I want God to mess you up in this way, right? And this is how God often messes us up. It's just think about all the people God's put into your life that you might have thought were a coincidence that he sent to love on you. That he sent to give you something when you just needed it. And we often think, oh, well, that was a nice coincidence or we really thank the person and we need to sometimes just look beyond that and see, it's actually a God job. I had amazing love and was missing the people of North Brisbane when I first moved down. Um, my church, that was at North Brisbane, when I first moved down to Swansea in New South Wales. And God dealt with me and he showed me but that the love they showed me was from him. And you know the good news about that is when those people aren't in your life anymore, God still is. And he'll send more people to be there for you, to provide for you, to love on you. So if you don't not yet know Jesus today, um, you can just say, Lord Jesus, I want to know you and see what happens. Or if you're not ready for that, you can say, God, can you just open my eyes to see how you've loved me? Because I don't believe you actually love me. I still think you're angry and judging. And this guy's saying that you're loving, and I don't see it. Can you help me see that? You know what? you just got to pray honest prayers. And honest prayers give real answers. See, I think when we just say the prayers we think we're supposed to pray, um, sometimes they don't even get answered because God says, you're not even being honest. But God loves our honesty. And if you're a Christian today, um, and you're like me, you struggle with evangelism. I'm not, an, I'm not an evangelist. I struggle to share my faith. But I have a heart for John and Michelle next door. I have a heart for Eden's friend Kate, who's been coming to youth group. You know, I'd love to see her come to know Jesus. I have a heart for her family. Hey? And so I want to pray, God, how can I not be a Bible basher, not preach at people, but how can I at the right time let them know there's options, you know, to have a relationship with Jesus. So I'm going to invite the worship team up and um, just to help us focus. And um, please do that. Please, if you're not a Christian today, please seriously consider that God is a God of love and compassion. He's kind and he's forgiving. He wants a relationship with you and all you've got to do is ask him for that relationship. And if you are a Christian today, I don't want you to, you know, 
if I can do evangelism, anyone can. If I can lead people to Jesus, anyone can. Because I was a little kid who was shy, who hid behind my brother's shadow, right? So if I can do it, anyone can. Some of you already do it better than I do. And so let's, God, put people on our heart today. If we're followers of Him, may He put people on our heart that may be ready, actually, to come to know Him very soon. And others who just need to know His love through us. Bless you guys.